first is from Luke 24, 1-7. to Luke 24, 1-7. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And the second reading is from John eleven seventeen to 27. John 11, 17 to 27. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Let's pray. Father, we come now before you, before your great voice, before your word. And we ask, Lord, that you would come now. You would come and speak to our hearts. Your Holy Spirit would quicken us to life. You would cause us, Lord, to be attentive to truth, to bend our ears and our hearts into you. Lord, that we be encouraged, exhorted, rebuked, shown who you really are, and that we would leave here today changed to look like Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. He's risen. Amen. Hallelujah. Happy Easter, everybody. It's good to be back. It's good to see familiar faces, but also friends that have come as well from different parts of the country and different parts of town and visitors too. Welcome. You've probably guessed that we're back in the I am sayings of Christ. This is number seven. There are going to be eight in this mini-series. So we're nearly there. And there's no surprises for guessing that today is Easter. So it's I am the resurrection and the life. The I am sayings are all about Jesus expressing that he is God and linking that to various attributes and ideas and metaphors that express something about his character. Today, it's the big one. 
I'm the resurrection and the life. As Christians today, we have to understand what the resurrection is and what it means. Not just a nice story. It's a truth that has profound implications for us as believers and for the world that isn't believing. It's not about chocolates. It's not about holidays. It's about God. And the very idea that Christianity is a life-saving faith depends on the resurrection entirely. Cannot, if you look at the evidence, and many people just don't, but you cannot, if you look at the evidence, deny the resurrection. There is just too much evidence to prove it, and yet people do. One man said, the resurrection of Jesus changes the faith, face of death for all his believers. Death is no longer a prison, but a passage into God's presence. Easter says you can put truth in a grave, but it will not stay there. You can nail truth to a cross and wrap it in white linen cloths and stuff it into a grave. But it will rise. The truth will out. And so happy Easter. He is risen indeed. Well, we'll turn to our passage. And I will say right at the beginning, we're going to dip into a couple of other big passages, but we're only going to look at small sections. So I'm going to encourage you to read them later in the day. First Corinthians 15, which is all about the gospel and the resurrection. And Romans 6, but we'll start in our passage in John 11 that was read for us. I just want to give some context to what's happening in the lead up to this passage, where Lazarus is going to experience something amazing. Lazarus, Martha and Mary are siblings, and they're loved by Jesus, very much loved. And the Lord has been traveling around performing signs and miracles and wonders and rebuking people with truth calling demons out and so on, and he is now heading back to uh, Judea, to Jerusalem. He's not there yet, and while he is away, Lazarus takes sick. He becomes ill, and Martha and Mary send word to Jesus, probably takes a day or two to get to him, to say, the one who you love, Lazarus, is, is unwell, grievously. And the Lord deliberately waits two days before he returns. There's a bit of an interesting dialogue between the Lord and the disciples around what's really going on. And it's clear that they misunderstand when he says that Lazarus has fallen asleep. We go there to um, waken him. So he then becomes very clear. He says, Lazarus is dead. And he says, I'm kind of glad because when we go there, you'll see something of the glory of God because of it. So they begin their trek back to Bethany, which is just a couple of miles. Um, I won't say how many kilometers that is. I cannot work that out for your sake, Kev. A couple of miles outside of Jerusalem where they live and they've been comforted by Jews from Jerusalem. And we read, have a look again, John 11, verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. She was mourning, very 
sadly. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Remember, Jesus stayed away. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Let's just deal with that concept that she raises there first. I know that my brother will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. It might surprise you to know that resurrection is actually an Old Testament concept. Yes, it's kind of brought to life, enacted. The power of resurrection starts at the resurrection of Christ, but it's an Old Testament concept. It's particularly there in the Psalms. It's in Ezekiel, if you will. You want me to chat through any of these later? We don't have time to look at them all. It's in Isaiah, and it's in the prophet Daniel. And it's the Old Testament concept that when people die, they go to the place of their fathers, sometimes called Sheol, and they wait until the last day. That's what she's just said, the resurrection at the last day. When the trumpet will sound and the dead will be called out of the grave. So Martha's theology is, is pretty spot on. Let's read the passage in Daniel. I'll read it for you. Daniel 12, the prophet, says, At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress, such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name, listen, is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting content, contempt, anything but content. And this view of the resurrection is there in Jesus's time. The Pharisees, who often get a bad rap, believe in the resurrection. The Sanhedrin. Sadducees, sorry, do not believe in the resurrection. In fact, they have an argument with the Lord about it. They set up a story about a brother marrying um, a brother's wife. And he goes, they go through this crazy idea about marriage and then sort of mock the Lord and say, well, you know, who are they going to be married to when they get to heaven? Listen to Jesus's response and appeal to the Old Testament to those people. He says, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry or be given in marriage. They'll be like angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, you have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So Martha was right, knowing that her brother was dead and he was in the tomb, that one day he would rise again at the resurrection on the last day. 
you'd been here, though, she says, my brother wouldn't have died. We know what the Lord means when he says your brother will rise again. Jesus says to her, I'll read this again with inflection. Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. It's me. I'm the resurrection, Martha. I'm the life. It's me. It's God. He says, I am. And he's saying, I am God. God is the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. See what the Lord does? He changes this date that's to come and is still to come, the day of the resurrection, into a person. Why is that? Well, because without this person being raised from the dead, there is no resurrection. It's him. It's me. You're going to get raised from the dead, but not without me. The last day will come and I will call you. Because I will be raised. There is still a last day. The Jews back then were waiting for it. And it hasn't happened yet, but it will come. The Lord will return. So I've just got three points for us today and a plea. Three points, three simple points. We dig into some of these other texts in bits and pieces because of time and a plea. So you ready? I look very ready. Are you ready? I am the thank you. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though he die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Good Sunday, I think Dave said on Friday. Good Friday, good Sunday. Paul's epistle to the Corinthian church, his first one, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, contains the gospel. It starts off by him saying, I want to remind you, Corinthians, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, on which you stand, by which you're being saved, if you hold fast. Important that. If you hold fast to the message I preached to you. He says, I received it as of first importance. And then he says what it is. Christ died for our sins, listen, according to scripture. He was buried, i.e. he was really dead. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead, according to scripture. What scripture? <laughs> the Old Testament. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is prophesied. And then Paul begins to kind of create a treatise, a long writing on the resurrection. And it's very long. And again, I commend it to you. I just want to pull out some bits to encourage us. So I told you what the point is. It's a bit useful. So point number one is that resurrection brings real life by defeating death. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection from the dead. You see what he's linking there? He's saying, if Christ was really raised from the dead, and if that's the truth, then if you are with Christ, then you will be raised from the dead. These things are directly related. 
cannot not be raised from the dead if Christ was raised from the dead and you come to know Christ. It's a good thing. And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, our preaching is in vain. And guess what? Your faith is in vain. And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Now, Christ died for the sins of the world, didn't he? He died for the sins of those that would come to Christ. Yes, he was judged by the Father for those sins. Yes, the law was fulfilled. Yes, God's righteous character was upheld, was vindicated because the law is holy. But there's no resurrection and death has the last word. If there's no resurrection, there is no hope of life now, real life now and in the future. All that happens is we die, we're dead still in our sins. There is no promise of life because the wages of sin is death. But that verse goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, through the resurrection. Why? Well, because in Christ rising from the dead, he doesn't just deal with sin. He deals with death. How do you deal with death? You might say. You have to kill it. What an irony. Death has to die. It has to be put to death so that it has no power over those that are living. And that's exactly what Christ's burial and resurrection do. They bring a victory over the power of death. Later on in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. He's going to talk about the last days. I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. He's referring to the last day that Martha's referring to. And the dead will be raised, imperishable. And we all shall be changed. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? You don't have any. You don't have any victory because Christ has been raised. Oh, death, where is your sting? You don't have any. The sting of death, Paul says, is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But listen to this. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? You, if you know Christ, you have that victory over death that he has won and he has wrought. 
It's a good thing, isn't it, that Christ was raised from the dead. He's saying the resurrection has victory over sin, over death. He is saying if you believe in Jesus, even though you die, you will live. His death has no sting. It has no victory. It's got nothing. Yes, you'll die physically. I know this, unless the Lord returns. The Lord says, if you die, you will live. If you believe in me. The resurrection brings real life by defeating death. Point number two. Resurrection brings real life now. I don't know if you've ever seen anyone raised from the dead. We've got some doctors in the house. And I'm sure at some point they will have seen people needing to be resuscitated. We've all seen the terrible versions of that on the television. Someone who has a cardiac arrest and they're brought back to life. What about raising someone from the dead that's been dead for three days? Or like Lazarus, four days? It doesn't happen. And yet, I see a room full of raised people. If you know Christ, you're resurrected. I know that you haven't gone to the grave and the call hasn't come to call you out of the grave, but right now you are living a resurrected life. That's why the Lord says, if you believe in me, you'll never die. Are you living that way? You've been resurrected now real life now and in the future forever so how is it that some of us are still living as if we're dead we're still walking around in sin let me tell you this was a hard message for me to come to because <laughs> i often live that way is it just me To live the real life in Christ. We need to acknowledge that he saved us. That we're raised already. We have real life. Death has no power over us. There's no sting in it anymore. You know, at the resurrection, when the Lord calls the dead to rise, you know what comes next? Judgment. Judgment. Our deeds will be judged. Not that our deeds save us. Let's not think that. The Bible's really clear about that. But that our faith in Christ should give rise to good deeds. And yet often we don't. And let me tell you, it's very serious. We don't have time to go into this, but in the, in the court of Christ, when our faith will be tested on the basis of whether we have demonstrated love to him and our neighbors, good deeds. I'm not talking about just doing good things. I'm talking about doing something with this thing in here that wants to besmirch Christ. There's a reward. It's very serious. And I've said many times from this pulpit, the Lord has called us unto holiness. That's living a resurrected life. I am the true vine. The Father's a vine dresser. You get pruned so that you bear much fruit. Bring glory to the Father by proving that you're my disciples. That's what's going to happen in the courtroom when it comes. Live well for God. 
resurrection contains the power to do this because it provides us with hope, certain hope. Ephesians 1 talks about God displaying his great power, raising Christ from the dead. He then goes on to say, walk in the manner worthy of the calling by which you've been called. The calling, that's the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of God, of Christ. Walk well because you have been raised from the dead. Walk well because your sins have been paid for. There is no longer a pain or a pang in death. It hasn't got the victory. So how are you walking? Are you walking with complacency? Walk well. We've been given a power to fight against sin. And I know there isn't a, a fully righteous person here. We're declared righteous in Christ, but we still sin. But are we fighting against that? We're fighting for the honor and glory of this resurrected king that we came here to worship today. Romans 6, the other passage I want you to go home and read, tells us more about that. Paul says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. It's the concept, isn't it, that when Christ died, the power of death in us died. When we became a believer, we have a resurrection-type power, a sin-forgiven power. So we are buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, listen to this, just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too also should walk in newness of life. How are you walking? My walk's all over the place at times. It's not this morning. <laughs> You're very convicted. How's your walking? Christ was raised from the dead to bring glory to the Father. How are we walking? Paul continues, for if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death's lost its sting. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But, listen, the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Resurrection allows you to do that. It allows you to fight. Another word for consider there is count. Count yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ. Consider your works. They bring glory to him. Are they good works, good fruit? Or are you just wallowing in sin and death as a living, resurrected being? A few weeks ago, um, testimony was given right here where I stand about Noel Moncton. I didn't know Noel. I gather he was 83 years old and he came to Christ, I think, in this very building. And the testimony that was given was actually about his life, if you heard it, about his walk, about fruit, about how he wasn't a Christian, he became a Christian, how he wasn't resurrected and he became resurrected. 
and he lived differently. He's gone. The presence of God to that courtroom. What will our testimonies be like? There's real life now. This is real living. Living for Christ is real living. Everything else out there is just an imitation. It's really poor. In fact, it's dark and dead. And some of you may say, but Sam, my life's hard, and I don't doubt that. I'm struggling with this, that, and the other. I'm struggling with sin. I'm struggling with uh, all manner of suffering. I'm, I'm struggling with mental health, money, family, work. Well, you're in good company because the apostles struggled. The persecuted church struggles now. We are told if we desire to lead a godly life in Christ Jesus, we will suffer. It shall happen. Listen to one man putting his suffering in the right place, putting his love of the world in the right place. This is Paul, Philippians 3. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of everything. And count it as rubbish. Stuff of the world compared to Christ is rubbish. And I lost it anyway. In order, he says, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. That I may know Christ, he says, listen, and the power of his resurrection. Did you hear that? I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Listen. That by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. It makes me shudder when I read that. This is Paul. <laughs> and everything in the world is lost compared to the surpassing worth of Christ Jesus. For whose sake I've lost everything. I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection in my life. That's what Paul's saying. Do you want to know that? It's a man who's fighting. He's fighting his inner man. He's selfish, sinful inner man that's actually dead. So that Christ gets the glory. Are you fighting? I hope you are. Put to death the deeds of the mortal flesh. If you're raised in Christ, one day you'll be raised completely. If you're raised in Christ because you believe him, you will not die. But you will come to that courtroom. Resurrection brings real life by defeating death. Resurrection brings real life now and forever. Last point. Resurrection brings real life through a person. It's not a list of laws. It's not a list of rules that brings us to resurrection. It's what the Pharisees thought. It's a person. It's Jesus, the good shepherd, the door, the true vine, the bread of life, the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection, and the life. It is a person. Coincidentally, this morning, the Australian Broadcast Corporation, ABC, has released um, some statistics. You like statistics, Warren? It's one for you. 
on a survey they did recently, it was a survey of a thousand people, so not this, not particularly great representation of 26 million. And it's all about the afterlife. What do people think? Is there a soul? Is there a God? Are there ghosts? Quite ridiculous. One of the questions is about the certainty of the resurrection. 23% of the respondents said that they are certain that the resurrection is true. 23% in this thousand people. Sounds good, doesn't it? But it's not. Satan is certain that the resurrection is true. It's a man that we need to believe in. Yes, we need to believe in the resurrection, but it's the man, I am the resurrection. Did you hear it? The one who believes in me will live even though they die. You don't get saved by just looking at the facts and saying, it seems certainly true. You get saved by looking at the facts and saying, it seems certainly true. So who is this guy? Who is this man that was raised from the dead? Let's get back to our text in John 11, because the answer's there. It's so beautiful. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Listen, do you believe this? Yes. Lord. Do you reply? Listen, what does she say? I believe you are the Messiah. Believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are the one who was to come into the world. I think Martha gets saved there. That's, what, that's how you get saved. You've got to bear fruit, demonstrate salvation, demonstrate you are a resurrected person. I believe, I believe you, your promises, your person, your being, your finished work, you. Christianity is about having a personal relationship with someone who is not dead. <laughs> we don't say he has risen. We say he is risen because death will never take him away because he's defeated it. So now I turn to the plea. You know, one day you will die unless the Lord returns. You will. Statistically proven. One out of every one dies. This may be your last Easter. I don't know. Only God knows. What will your deeds say about who you believed in? Will they say that you knew the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who was to come? I hope so. I really do. I hope mine do. And if they don't, I want you to hold me to account. And I'll hold you to account. When that last trumpet does sound and the dead of Christ in Christ will be raised, will you be there? Will you be there? Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Dead. Nothing going on 
seconds. Body still, gone. No heartbeat, no breath in his lungs. The scripture says this. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Sound familiar? Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. It says, the man who was dead came out. That's the power of the resurrection. Jesus is the first to be resurrected. He is God. Who called him out? Who called him out? <laughs> Christ obviously has the power to call us out from deadness to life. Who called Christ out? He did. His father did. Jesus says, I lay down my life and I take it up again. One day, you'll hear him call. Will you rejoice because you knew him before? Or will you shudder in fear? My plea to you today is simple. In a moment, Warren's going to lead us in communion. What a great time to come to the Lord. On Easter Sunday, 2021, come to Christ. Consider the elements that are set before us, his body, his blood, bread, and juice in our case. Remember the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Admit who you really are. Beg for mercy from Christ. Bear fruit and you'll be raised from the dead. The resurrection brings real life by defeating death. The resurrection brings real life now and forever. The resurrection brings real life through a person. I am the resurrection and the life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you again for Jesus.
Thank you for his obedience, his sinlessness, even to the point of death on the cross. Lord, thank you that he willingly took the cup of wrath, that he willingly took our sin and was judged by you. Lord, if there is anyone here who does not yet know you, then please call them to you now. Cause them to see your son and his fantastic sacrifice. Cause them to repent and know you. In Jesus Christ, amen.